Welcome to Monday's Scramble. I'm Rex Hoggard. He's Jay Coffin. We both work for GolfChannel.com, but today we work for you. And on today's Monday Scramble, the rundown. Spieth shines in Texas. Jordan Spieth gets off to Schneid. Big three showdown at the Memorial. Of course, you got a lot going on this week in golf. And Hostler for the Haskins Award. All this we'll get into and more. Good morning, Jay. How are you? What's going on, Rexy? You know... Jordan Spieth gets off the Schneid, the five-month Schneid. That's right. We're I know it seems about, like we're I know it seems like it was longer, but you know, all right. Whatever. Is it a little ridiculous? Is that where we are these days? Is it a little ridiculous? Five-month Schneid. All right. Well, and he anyway. points out that you know he did pretty well at the Masters, which was just three starts ago. Yeah. Uh, that's what I hear. It's not too bad. We'll also be joined by Will Gray. And actually, let's bring Will in right now. He was at Colonial at the Dean and DeLuca Invitational last week. He saw Jordan Spieth in person. Will, what'd you make of that performance? Uh, I think if only we could all have droughts like Jordan Spieth, I think we'd all be better for it. Uh, yeah, it, it was a, a convincing performance, a convincing win, and it was one that I think kind of let Jordan Spieth let his guard down a little bit afterwards in speaking about just how much the, the scars and the ghosts of Augusta National were still kind of haunting him. Well, that's a handsome picture of Will that we just had up, by the way. I got I to hand it to you, Will. That's a very good mugshot right there. Now, you I'm, are trying, a great... I'm trying to bring out the best for you. Yeah, yeah, no, that, you're bringing the heat on that one. You wrote a really good column. He, he actually got motivated by someone saying something to him in the crowd as he made the turn, referring to what happened at Augusta. And it was fascinating to me because all along, Jordan has said that, look, it's not going to bother me. I've moved on. Clearly, that was a bit of a mind game. I mean, if you listen to what he said on Sunday after the victory, he's still living with those scars, and they're going to continue to be with him, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it was amazing sitting in the in the press conference afterwards. Someone asked him a question about what it was like to finally win in Texas, and he went out of his way to pivot that into an answer about the Masters and about how difficult it was answering all the questions in every single interview room, having to go through the, the same song and dance after giving away a second green jacket. Uh, but it, it certainly created a level of relief. I think we saw him more relaxed in that post-round press conference and we've seen him in a while but I think that there's kind of three different stages of, uh, of getting over that Masters collapse. The first one is getting this win. The second one, he's still going to have another set of questions to go through anytime he steps up to a major until he wins a third major title. And then the third, the third level is going to be every spring at Augusta. He's still going to be, you know, if he goes another five years without winning the Masters, that sixth year, he'll still be asked about the 12th hole. But for now, this at least got him a semblance of, uh, of relief, and as we said, it, it's the second win of the year. It seems like that, that eight-shot rop in Maui is a lot more than four months ago, but right now, Spieth's cooking with gas. You're right, Will. So he checked the box on the one. <laughs> the second one could be, well, we'll, we'll come up in a couple weeks at Oakmont, right, the next time he's had a major, and then the third, we'll just have to wait till next April. You're right. And while I love his honesty, and I love him breaking, bringing up the Masters and not being afraid, I love all that, my question to you, though, is, what changed in just three short days, though? You know, from sort of the, the pouty, frustrated dude that we saw the week before Byron Nelson until this. Was it just a matter of time, or was there something noticeably, noticeably different this time? Uh, he seemed a little bit more, he seemed in a better place pretty much from the, from the first start of the week when he spoke to the, the media on Wednesday. I think it really helped to have a venue shift away you know, it's still a Dallas Fort Worth area, but he was he was the star at the at the Byron Nelson. You know, he's got a, a deal with AT and T, the title sponsor. He had some stuff to do with them. So this is much more. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of second fiddle at this event to a couple other other guys. And more importantly, it's a it's a course that he really loves. I think he has more of an allegiance 
to the Dallas event, but I think Colonial really suits his game better. He hasn't finished worse than 14th at this event. It's an old-school course that really, uh, you know, it's a ball striker's place that, that you need to shape your shots. And he spoke about how he and, and caddy Michael Greller really put together a game plan of making sure that their misses were missing in the right places and making sure that they were still making par at worst on a lot of the holes. He, he went on a streak of 28 straight holes without a bogey during the second and third round, so that was clearly an objective that they achieved. But I think it was just a little bit of venue shift and really getting onto a course where he has had some past success, and that just created an extra level of confidence and relaxation that helped him get over the hump. All right, well, let, let's kick the can up the road to Memorial. Now, this is a big win on a, a number of fronts. I jokingly referred to him getting off to snide, but this three-stroke victory sets up a, a big three and beyond showdown at Memorial next week where you have Jason Day, coming off a victory in his last start at TPC. You have Rory McIlroy coming off a victory in his last start at the Irish Open, and now Jordan Spieth coming off a victory at Colonial. And then you look at the field as we're showing it right now on down. Ricky Fowler's there, Dustin Johnson's there, Bubba Watson. I mean, it is a stacked field. This could be the best field of the year after the players. All things considered. Yeah, all things considered. How do you see this shaping up? We always want to frame the narrative of the big three, but it really seems like it goes beyond that, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that the way the schedule sets up, this is always kind of seen as U.S. Open light. You know, at the, at the great golf course, Jack Nicklaus' event, a, a tough test and all that. But I think this year, especially, just the, as you said, you've got the top five in, in the world all playing and so many of these guys coming in with momentum. This is a, a storyline that we saw playing out before the Masters where so many top-ranked players were winning when it was Adam Scott and Bubba and Jason Day. And right now, we're having it, it repeat itself heading into Oakmont that you've got all of the top three players coming in off a win. A lot of players have some momentum. I mean, Ricky Fowler's having a great season. Bubba Watson won earlier this year at Riviera. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I think that the edge might go a little bit to speed. He's played well at this event before. Jason Day, it's certainly a de facto home game for him living in Ohio. So there's that little bit of an extra edge. But, uh, you know, you've got to think that we're going to have one, one of that group is going to come out and play really well and anoint himself as the U.S. Open favorite. And someone's going to come out and miss the cut, and we're going to say, what's wrong with them, you know, one, one week after they had their hands on a trophy? That's just kind of how it goes. Well, Will, you just I had this I had this great question all ready to go and fired, and you just answered you just answered my question at the back end of that question. My God, what's I mean, what kind of a world are we living in? I, my I'm, question I'm, <laughs> it was I'm it was sorry. going to be I wasn't going to ask you to pick a winner, but my question was going to be whose momentum do you like most? And it does sound that that you would favor you would favor Spieth then. Yeah, I think so, just just uh, because it's, again, another course that he's going to that he really likes. He, he shot 65 in the final round at this event last year to finish tied for third. Um, you know, it's, it's a course that can bite anyone. You need, we've seen a lot of guys shoot over 80, including Spieth, at this event. But he just seems to be in, in a good place. Uh, you know, I'm certainly not going out of my way to bet against Jason Day. I think that those two have great similarities in th- this year in terms of their bad weeks are still, what, T18, T23, things like that. So uh, I, I think that they're both going to be in the mix and in contention. But we've saw, we saw last year, and uh, and this year certainly today as well, that Spieth really can get hot and stay hot with the, the short game, and especially that putter. He had nine putts over the back nine to win at Colonial. That's about as good as you can ask for. Okay, Willie, real quick before we let you go, I know you're in travels coming home from Dallas. But we do want to get your thoughts on Tiger Woods. Another event, another Friday deadline, and another no-show from Tiger Woods. We're getting to the point in the season where it's getting early late, where if he comes back, I mean, it's hard to believe that he would come back for the U.S. Open. But if he does come back for 
that particular major, you're only looking at three, four, maybe five starts before the end of the season. Is it even worth it at this point for him to come back? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, as you mentioned, the, the schedule is, is really shortening up on him. He's probably not going to qualify for the FedEx Cup playoff. He wouldn't qualify for the, the WGC Bridgestone in Akron, which is one of his favorite venues. Uh, you know, I really feel like the, the only landing spot left for him would be to start at the Quicken Loans National, which is an event that he's tied to, that his foundation helps to support and run. And that would kind of springboard him into making a start at the Open Championship and perhaps PGA. But I think really a lot of people had circled, you know, this, this two-step of Memorial and then the U.S. Open as a way for him to get his feet under him. And once he decided not to play at the Memorial, I think the overwhelming likelihood right now is that we're not going to see Tiger Woods until next season, potentially the fall, maybe his hero event in the Bahamas in December. But, uh, you know, I think the odds are that he's not going to play again this season. All right, well, no, I I think I would agree with you on that one. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Safe travels. We'll see you in a couple days, pal. See you, Will. Sounds good. See you, boys. All right. All right, same question to you. I mean, I think Will did a good chance of wrapping it up. But in the meeting before this show, we talked about the idea that let's say he does come back and play the Open, which doesn't make a lot of sense for a guy who has spent the better part of six months on the DL, is, is nursing a back that has been giving him problems. Do you really want to start at a U.S. Open with thick rough and long walks? I don't I don't think you want to start anywhere. <laughs> because it's We can't go back and start the Bob know, Hope now. That's not an option. I, I mean, there isn't, a logical, there isn't a logical place. I know we sort of talk about his Quicken Loans event as maybe a warm-up to the Open, the Open Championship, not the U.S. Open. Okay, maybe, but then that'll be right quickly after the U.S. Open. And if he's healthy enough to play in one, should he have played in, in the previous week at the U.S. Open? We all know the answer is no because that's the ultimate test. So I, I think you said it right, though. The, we, are just, we are just running out of time, man. There's just no real reason at this point to come back. I'm going to step at, on the first tee at Troon. I have no idea what that weather's going to be like. It may be beautiful. And it may just be horrendous. Yeah. And you just don't know what you're going to get. So is that going to be the first time you're going to go out there and, and practice and grind on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then four difficult days, and then take a week off and come back and go kick yourself in the face of Baltus Roll? Like, I just, like, like Tiger Woods. Are asking me or telling me? No, it looks no, like I'm I, telling I agree you, with yeah, you. No, so I, no yes. it's, but then that's the thing, too. Tiger Woods, when he comes back, comes back with expectations that he's going to play X, Y, and Z. Right? And so... Those aren't the places that he should come back. So at this point, let's just, let's just kind of chill out and just be done with it and just call it a season. Well, and I think at this point he's almost a victim of his own schedule. When you look at the totally. places where he has played historically, totally. which, you know, in, in retrospect it makes his career even that much greater because he always played the hardest courses against the deepest field. Yep. So I would make the argument that, yeah, all right, he's not qualified for the Bridgestone with his WGC. He's not qualified for the playoffs. He's more than three quor- we're more than three-quarters of the way through the season, so he's already playing catch-up if he's hoping to play the playoffs. Maybe he plays Wyndham, which he played last year, which I can't imagine that you know he would do. That, that would be where he's kind of right. earmarked for his comeback. Yeah. And again, I, I've always gone back to this, that he's the only guy that knows when he can come back. He's the guy that's on the range in South mm-hmm. Florida that's deciding, can I walk four straight days? Can I do what I need to do on the practice tee? Can I avoid injury? Can I avoid soreness? All of these are questions that only he can answer. Well, and, he's, and he also may not be able to answer them right now. Yeah. We still don't know. He is the only guy that can answer them, but he still may not be able to yet, right? Yeah. Uh, ultimately, he is the guy, but right now we just, we just don't know. So, you know, I think we know with, without playing the Memorial, uh, to expect him to show up at Oakmont, it just 
ain't gonna happen. All right, to rewind here real quick, you asked Will a question I didn't want to interrupt in the middle of that, but you asked what Jordan did last week. And yeah. what he did is just putt like Jordan Spieth. Let's be honest. Nine yeah. putts over his last nine holes, man. Yeah. Nine putts yeah. over his last nine holes. That's hard to beat. I don't care who you are. Yeah. You look what he did. He was first in the field in putting, first in putting distance made. He gained 4.47 strokes on the field on Sunday in strokes gained putting. I don't know what that means, but it seems like that's a pretty good stat. And then you go back to Dallas, which I was in the field. On Sunday, he lost 3.18 strokes on Sunday. So that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, and it's him feeling comfortable on certain greens and not feeling comfortable on other greens. But, yeah, I think that was the difference. It's almost like he, he woke up on, you know, Thursday morning of the Colonial or especially Sunday morning of the Colonial and said, looked himself in the mirror and said, you are Jordan Spieth. Now go play like Jordan Spieth. <laughs> I, know, I know it's not that easy, but it sort of looked that easy. And, and somebody, uh, somebody's got a little more pep in his step. I always said that golf was at its best when Phil Mickelson was at its best. And the idea behind this was is when Phil was at his best, he was always pushing Tiger. Correct. And we only had that very few times. We're at the stage now where those three players, totally. Rory, Jordan, Jason, they're all at their best right now. What are the odds that we actually get that Sunday oh, showdown come between on. those don't, three? Don't tease me, Rexy. Think about it. Don't what tease me. What would be the odds of yeah. those three going head-to-head? And I am going to disagree with Will on this one. We, and I know that he likes Jordan's performance from last week. I don't know that Mirfield Village would be the perfect fit for him, as opposed to it being a fit for Jason Day, who practices there and hits mm-hmm. the ball a mile. Roy McIlroy, who hits the ball a mile. Correct. It, it seems like a horses for courses deal. Those two would have the advantage, but it's hard to beat those putting stats. I just I don't. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's exactly right, and that's the good thing is, is now just after these last couple of weeks with Rory doing what he what he did and Jordan doing what he did, there isn't a wrong answer, no. right? You can justify any you can justify any one of them for very good reasons, right? I could sit here and say Jason until I'm blue in the face, and then you could tell me why I'm wrong and well, you're gonna tell have me to why it's Rory. And where the beauty is is that we're all right. But you're, you're right, though, about... I, man, I would just love to see... I would love to see any two of them. I'd love to see all three of all them. Three. But any two of them, that's one of the things that's the biggest BS about the last 20 years. Tiger and Phil never went head-to-head at a major... Doral stinks. Doral's the only one I can really think of on a Sunday where they were paired together. They, they were paired together at the Masters a few years back where they went on that early run in the front nine, but they were so far behind they were never really in But you're talking about in the last I'm pairing on a Sunday bi- I'm talking in big, high-profile. Th- those two guys are two of, the be- two of the top ten best players in the history of golf, and not once in 20 years were the two of them on at the exact same time. That's. I mean, maybe they were. Maybe Tiger. Maybe Tiger beat him by ten shots, and they were. Yeah. And he but was that's. A, we were never. We never saw that. So, I try to sort of temper my expectations. I guess is my point. As badly as I want it to but happen. But it's hard the way the stars are coming together right I now. I know. But as badly as I wanted, I guess is what I'm. What I'm saying is that the last twenty years have proved that it just doesn't happen that often. So while I would love it to happen this week at Muirfield or certainly at Oakmont, you know, any combination of those guys bring in bring Ricky into the mix. You know, love to have Phil at Oakmont, maybe, maybe asking too much. It just doesn't happen that often, which is why the last month is so cool, which is what happened with, with these guys just plucking off wins just like it's nothing. Going head-to-head. And let's keep in mind, Rory still has not won on the PGA Tour this season. Now, I know that's, you know, it, it's hard when you look but at his schedule. He won his fifth major. He, yeah, he won his fifth major, which was the Iris Open. That's the one that's important to him. But I think going forward, when you look at these three, so you'd have to say David Lingmurth is going to win this week. Like, how does that always add up? Like, eventually, we're, we're going to, no, no offense to David Lingmurth or Russell Knox would be my pick this totally. week, but that's who's going to end up winning. Russell Knox. It always works out that way, isn't it? 
All right, let's switch gears to something that's a little bit more predictable. The NCAAs are going on this a week. A little bit. Yeah, you were in Eugene for the Women's Championship, NCAA Women's Championship. We're down to the Elite Eight right now. Match play starts this morning. It's already underway. There you see number one Texas going head-to-head with Oklahoma. Isn't that called the Red River Rivalry? It is. I did not think I could get it that is. out. That's pretty good. Yeah. I always had Say a hard three time. times fast. USC will take on Vanderbilt. LSU, I just picked at the scores. They're up in every single one of their matches against host Oregon. Illinois taking on South Carolina. The big news coming out of yesterday, though, we have an individual champion from the home team on his home course, Aaron Wise. Very impressive performance from that young Yeah, man. well, before we get to Wise, real quickly, though, the number one seed in match play for the last seven years has not won. So no good <laughs> the for number Texas. One, so no good for Texas, although Texas has been one of the best teams all year long and continues to be now. But it is bizarre how that's never never played out. But back to Aaron Wise. Super impressed Two double with, in that final round, by the way. still found a way to found yeah. a way to sort of bounce back pretty good, if you will. You know, I think we probably, not a lot of people, certainly on the East Coast, know that much about him, but... He's been really solidly decent all year long, and I think solidly decent. Well, no, but listen, it, it, I think he probably should have been one of the favorites. You know, we're going to talk about McNeely, Rom, McCoy, Hostler, all those guys, and they are the they are the upper echelon. They were the top four guys. But if you've got a guy who's playing on a golf course that he plays three or four times a week, and has played three or four times a week every week for the last two years, and he's a top ten player for most of the season. I don't know why you wouldn't put him a favor. It's only because he plays out in Oregon, and in the East Coast, we don't really see him that much. So that's why. But absolute, you think about the pressure, just as a sophomore, 19-year-old sophomore, he, you know, and he handled it well, saying, hey, it was great. It made me feel good that I had people out here rooting for me. I, we all know how I would react. <laughs> I mean, that's, there's a lot, of pr- a lot of pressure on that young man. I mean, for him to say it didn't bother him is one thing, but it had to have. There's a lot of expectations for Oregon to qualify for the NCAA championship in the first place as a team as playing at home. home. Huge, huge, huge. And then for him to go out there, his team to make it in that top eight, to make the first cut into the top 15, then into the top eight to get into the match play, and then to him to win individually, that's big, big, big-time stuff. Yeah, that was impressive. I mean, and, and here's the part that I have a hard time with. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know a lot about this young man until I've watched him over the last two or three days just to see his game. Very impressive. I love the way his bounce-back ability reminds me a lot of Jordan Spieth. He followed those double bogeys with birdies. That's always impressive. The one thing that did surprise me is news that he's going to turn pro. Mm-hmm. And I'm not against this by any stretch of the imagination. That if you're a freshman in high school, it, I mean, if you're a freshman in college, if you're a senior in high school, if you feel like you're good enough, do it. Do it. I, I don't have a hard time with it. Because, look, it doesn't happen very often. I don't think it's a problem, at least not in golf like maybe it is in other sports. In this particular case, and I only say this because of the – the tone right now, the, the crowded field yeah. of and young, talented players yeah. that are coming out. You have Bryson DeChambeau, who's already turned pro. He's taking up a lot of starts. You have Bo Hostler. You have all these very good yeah, players. John who, Rom. John Rom, Maverick McNeely. Yeah. They're all going to turn pro. They're all going to eat up spots. I don't know what the rush is for Wise to turn pro right now. Why not go back yeah. to Oregon? You have a very good team. Give it one more year. Yeah, be the top dog or the top duck. <laughs> In a, after, like after another year, after a junior season, when these guys all get weeded out and have a place to play for next year. I agree with that. Um, but it's pretty impressive for us to sort of know that this is what he was going to do and then him to show up in his last college event and do what he oh, did. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. And you're right, I don't knock anybody. Turn pro now, tomorrow, and five weeks from now, five years from now, do whatever you want to do. You know, I, I wish him well, but you are right. It is. It's super crowded. And we're looking up, you know, really for the rest of this PGA What's Tour the season, there's not a whole lot of spots left available. There's six, seven, eight, 
non-invitational, non-majors, you know, sort of these events that could hand out a couple sponsor exemptions, and they're going to go to some of those other guys that you said. Now maybe Wise picks off one or two now because he is the NCAA champion, yeah. so he has more opportunity now than he had yesterday at this time, but still, it's crowded. It's very crowded, and look, we just went through this for five minutes about Tiger Woods. The schedule is getting condensed very quickly, and it has a lot to do with just the way the season has shaped out, but you're right, I counted it up. So there would be about seven events where he could possibly get an exemption. If you factor in all these other guys, mm-hmm. and look, most of these tournament directors only have two unrestricted sponsor right, so exemptions we're talking about to dole 14 out. spots? 14 spots between all these guys, and yeah. it's going to be hard. Bobby Wyatt's playing very well right now. He's already turned professional. I think he's going to get a handful. Yeah. So you, I, it's hard to imagine what the big rush was. Yep. It's not as though you're turning pro now to, to jump into Q school. No. It's, the system's different. So you're not going to make that jump directly to the PGA Tour. I don't understand it. Now, talking about some of those guys who are going to turn pro, the Haskins watch is on. They're going to dole out the award next Tuesday. Yep, June 7th in Golf Central. And I, I think one of the guys, of course, that we mentioned was Bo Hosser. I think we can probably both agree he would be the favorite I right now. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, those guys that we all mentioned, I, I was... I was willing to, I, I wanted to wait and see how the NCAA play, played out, right? And then all those guys sort of all finished about the same. Yeah. Rom, McNeely, McCoy, Hostler, Wise ended up winning. He would have probably been fifth or sixth heading into this week now. So then, so then you make the argument, to him winning the NCAA championship, does that boost him above all those guys? No. Bo, Bo Hostler, pretty steady week for four days as an individual for Texas, won five times all year. To me, was absolutely the best player in college golf. And Lee McCoy came out. And said that he said that Bo Hosler should be. So if I've got one of the guys in that mix of four who's saying that one of the others should be the guy, I know he's being diplomatic, that. but he's, in this case he's right. Well, yeah, you, you mentioned the five wins, 12 top tens, and his 13 starts. Showed up every day. Every single week he shows up. He's fifth at the yep. NCAAs. I mean, I, I think when you look at what he did, I had some t- a chance to spend some time around him a few weeks ago at the Jones Cup. Mm-hmm. Very mature. Oh, yeah. In very complete game, very high golf IQ, all the things that you want to he's look for. Pro he's a tour pro. He's a tour pro. I mean, yeah. he's already got the tour game. I mean, I think they're – right now he's still a little young. Yeah, I think he can learn to control his emotions a little bit better, but that's just going to come with time. All right, moving forward now. We just talked about Weiss. Next week he's going to make that first start in Memphis. There's a lot of things on the line, and it, it starts this week as yep. far as the Open Championship goes. The Open Championship qualifying series begins this week with the Mizuno Open, and you can get an idea of how these players are getting ready. There you go, the Mizuno Open on the Japan Golf Tour. Those four players right now qualified for the Open Championship, which will be held in a few weeks at Royal Troon. They were the top four out of the top 12 in ties, and this series will continue. This is a very unique way they've done this, and I think they found a very fair, very, totally. very different way of doing it, so you don't have to worry about these qualifiers that you see this week on the European Tour the Nordia Masters, only one spot available, and he has to finish outside, uh, inside the top five in ties. Go to the FedEx St. Jude Classic in Memphis in two weeks. That will be the top four who are in the top 12 in ties going down the list. Quicken Loans, French yeah. Open, Greenbrier Classic, and Scottish Open. So you get six spots right there, and you get it. I mean, it's a chance. You're right. I mean, this is, this is open. You know what you're, you're playing for when you're on the first tee. So I think Bo Hostler is going to play. We talked about is going to play at FedEx St. Jude. If he finishes in the top 12, he's in the Open Championship. Because from the NCAAs to the Open Championship in about a month. So, you know, you show up and you play well. You know you've got these six chances from right now over the next six weeks, and you're in. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. Now, I have a soft spot in my heart, and you do too. This goes back to our magazine days when we used to go over, and they had the qualifiers. The glory on the, years, Rexy. Glory years. When, and they used to have the qualifiers on the Sunday before, and guys would fly over, and you'd play in you know, yeah. one of those cool little yeah. links courses that were Brad somewhere. Brad would do it every year. Every year he'd yeah. show up. And yeah. I kind of always had a soft spot in my heart. But I have to admit, with the way the modern schedule works out, you look at the way these qualifiers are now, it gives guys something to aim for. Totally. It gives them something to work their schedules around that's not getting on a plane and going over on the Sunday before hoping. Yep. And I think that makes all the difference. Part of it seems random, too, until you sit down and look at it and see how it's spread out globally, and there's nothing random about it. Yeah. You're one in South Africa. we got one Sweden or Japan. You know, it's, it's spread. It is the international major. There are people from all planets, and that, the, you know, getting in via that qualifying helps, helps keep that going. And always cool stories. All right, one little final piece of news. Darren Clark named his three vice captains this week. They will be Padraig Harrington, Thomas Bjorn, Paul Laurie. Yep. Does it matter? Um, no. No? I don't think so. I mean, I, look, although they, they clearly have a pretty big role, like, you know, I, it's, or they have in the past anyways, let's put it that way. And there's no reason to believe that they're going to break form because it's, pretty, it's worked out pretty well for the Europeans. And here's the only part that I find interesting in that, that whole list is the way they've done it. I mean, let's face it, the United States copied what Europe has done so successfully and created this sort of legacy program for their vice captains going forward. I mean, Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker will probably end up being all Ryder Cup captains. That's the whole idea. The Europeans have been doing this for years and doing it very, very well, but there's one face in that crowd that stands out. I would have never thought that Thomas Bjorn would have gotten a turn, but it seems like, at least if you look, if you can read the tea leaves that Darren Clark's laying down, he would get that start. I don't know where it would occur. I don't know either. Yeah, going down the list. But they have a plan. They always have a plan. They always have a plan, and it's, <laughs> it works out. So don't just don't just don't mess with it. Don't just don't mess with it, Rexy. He's going to probably be a for a, a cap. You know, Patty Harrington's going to be. Harrington was be. I, and, and again, Paul Laurie. I, I don't know that I ever saw him as a Ryder Cup captain, but and maybe not. But this goes back. Yeah. You know, I, you could say that about the last couple of captains. There's a reason. Yeah, there's always a reason. They have a plan. Unlike us, we didn't have a plan. We just went with it. <laughs> That'll do it for this edition of Monday Scramble. We'll see you guys next week and check offdanl.com for all the latest news.